Hey, this is Justin Barrier. I'm Rob Mahoney. And I'm Big Waz, a.k.a. Wazzy Lambray. And we are the hosts of Group Chat on the Ringer NBA show. Hey, did you guys know the Ringer NBA show feed now has shows six times a week? On Sundays, you can find me chopping it up with some of my favorite people from the NBA world on weekends with Waz. On Mondays and Thursdays, you can listen to Logan Murdoch and Raja Bell on Real Ones. And on Tuesdays, J. Kyle Mann and Jonathan Sharks discuss up-and-coming talent in the NBA on Upside High. Wednesdays, you can listen to Justin, Rob, and myself on Group Chat. And on Fridays, check out The Answer with Chris Ryan and Sirit Sohi. So go ahead and follow The Ringer NBA Show on Spotify. We promise you'll never run out of content. It's The Mismatch, presented by FanDuel. The road to the NBA Finals starts now, and FanDuel is the place to get in on the action. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Quick Bets, which are back and better than ever for the NBA playoffs on FanDuel. Find what you're looking for faster and easier with more props right at your fingertips. You can check out live bets like three-minute markets and exclusive live bets like quarter player props, player assist combos, and more. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus and present in select states or 18 plus in D.C. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. This episode is brought to you by USAA Homeowners Insurance. USAA has homeowners insurance that could lead the league in assists. Serving our military, veterans, and their eligible family members, USAA delivers award-winning service and peace of mind. And if you file a claim, the process is transparent and easy, and you can do it all right in the USAA app. Tap the banner or visit usaa.com slash homeowners to learn more and get a quote. Restrictions apply. Welcome to The Mismatch. I'm Chris Vernon, and joining me as he does every Tuesday from TheRinger.com is Kevin O'Connor, a.k.a. Kevin O'Bomber, Kevin O'Concert, Kevin O'Camer, Kevin O'Conflict, Kevin O'Climber, Kevin O'Candyland, Kevin O'Cannabis, Kevin Bruno! How are you doing this morning, man? I'm great. We have a lot of conference semifinals that are going on. We had two game ones last night, so let's start with those. The first of which was Miami getting a 106-92 to win over the Philadelphia 76ers were having to play these first couple of games without Joel Embiid. First half looked like it was going okay for the Sixers. Second half, uh, Miami kind of ran away with it. Uh, what'd you make of what we saw from game one, Heat Sixers? <laughs> A team that is just desperately missing its star. With Joel Embiid, it's as simple as that. You have Doc Rivers starting DeAndre Jordan, Chris, which was every Sixers fan's worst nightmare. He's a minus 22 in 17 minutes. Paul Reed, granted he can't stay on the floor without getting in foul trouble, comes off the bench in that first quarter, performs well. We don't see Charles Bassey. Paul Millsap looks old when he gets in, unfortunately, still. The Sixers don't have a lot of options, but going smaller, Going with more Paul Reed, giving a rookie like Bassey a chance in that rim running, rolling uh, uh, responsibility that Harden likes in a, in a center, that to me seems like a better game plan and game to the DeAndre Jordan, who couldn't stop anybody on the ball. 
who couldn't contain at the rim, who doesn't offer the verticality that he did in the past either. It's just unfortunate for Philadelphia to not have Joel Embiid without a lot of options behind him. But I think Doc Rivers is overthinking this in terms of using 32 different lineups in game one as Mo DeKill outlined a bleacher report on Tuesday morning. 32! He's overthinking it. Time to simplify and go with what works. Small ball and no DJ. The DeAndre Jordan thing is just absolutely unbelievable because you could trace this back. You remember that he was the source of get discontent with the Nets. And one of, I think, at least a reason that Kenny Atkinson, who had done a good job by most people's account, was let go. Because you remember they, they had Kenny Atkinson as their head coach. He was, rightfully so, in favor of Jared Allen being the starting center for the Brooklyn Nets and getting the lion's share of minutes because he was going to be good not only then, but also in the future. And it became rather obvious when they fire Kenny, they bring in Jacques Vaughn, and they start DeAndre Jordan immediately. You know, and so, like, we just had all that happen, and now DeAndre moves from Brooklyn to Philadelphia And it's like these last two teams, people have been left going. And I don't know, maybe he's the coolest guy in the world. I don't don't know why these coaches and and sometimes I suppose in the Nets case, the players are so in on DeAndre Jordan being a part of these basketball games of which he can have little to no effect and very possibly a negative effect. Yeah, absolutely. And I, it's it's a, it's a strange thing, you know, Chris, to be going with what and even after the game he was asked about, it, he's like, I'm going to continue doing it, whether you like it or not. Yeah, uh, I, it's just I, I don't know. I don't I don't understand. I know there's not a lot of options. You go with a guy that you have familiarity with. He does bring some of the qualities that on paper you want, but he's not bringing those to the floor. And like in reality, it's just not the idea of DeAndre Jordan doesn't exist anymore, which right. is unfortunate. Like he's a fun player to watch. Doc and DJ had great times together in, in LA, but it's not there anymore. And so you have to go with the younger guy and Paul Reed, who does give more versatility, still gives a little bit of pressure on the rim. you got to go with more small ball lineups, which were at least effective in game one. But the reality here is Chris, no matter what you do without Joe Embiid, it's not going to matter. Because unless James Harden can turn back the clock and become the scorer he was in the past, that's what Philly needs now. Harden has embraced the playmaking side of things ever since he left Houston with Brooklyn and now with Philadelphia. But right now, he's not able to just do that. He also needs to be a scorer. And that's not there anymore. He doesn't have the burst. He doesn't have the explosiveness. He's not finishing anywhere as well around the rim anymore. He's not finishing anywhere as well in floater range. Harden's just not the same guy as a scorer at this point, or he's hurt, or both. Well, a couple of things. And those are... I mean, look. That that was music to your ears, huh? You liked hearing that. Yeah, but maybe it's not necessarily what I believe. I think there's a couple other things. A, it's the playoffs, so this is what happens. B, he took 13 shots last night. Since he's been with the Philadelphia 76ers, I read last night he has not taken 20 shots in a game. That is unbelievable. He's averaging 13 in the playoffs. Well, and He he averaged 20-plus in eight years with Houston. 20-plus shots. And and he should be 
he should be on the injury report if something's wrong with him. Right. So yeah. every year somebody there's there's more excuses as to why James Harden is not showing up. One year it was he was tired. Oh, he played too many minutes during the regular season. Now it's oh, he must be hurt or he's lost his burst or whatever else. Well, Harden he has is, lost his burst. He OK, has, like, sure. He is in he is absolutely in worse shape no, than no. he used to be. OK, that's for sure. They've also taken away a ton of what made him a devastating threat. And I do think that that has hurt his game tremendously. The fact, the fact that they don't give him the calls anymore. He can't just go in there, there, hook your arm up and flail. He can't come around the screen and then let you pile drive into him. Uh, all these non-basketball plays that he made an absolute living off of don't exist anymore. And so when you team that up with not taking care of your body, getting a little bit older, yes, losing some burst. The the league has made a lot of these different things. Every trick that James Harden would come up with to game the system, they outlawed. You know, and it's been over and over. And the other thing it, is just just to put some numbers behind that for you, Chris, real quick. This year with the Sixers, he averaged eight point nine free throws per game. Uh, his last full year with Houston, it was eleven point eight. What Just was his MVP year? His MVP year was 10.1. 10.1? Yeah. So he went from 10.1, almost 12 a game. Yeah, I, I mean, he had he had between 10 and 12 between 2014-15 and 2019-20. And granted, he's also, he's also shooting more than he's trying to draw more fouls. I, I think I, I think that part is is an aspect of it for sure. Uh, I still think like the physical decline is like fit, like you can pull up video of him, you know, his first step with Houston compared to now. Like he's just slower. Mm-hmm. He's just slower. I mean, yeah. what that, he might just be getting old because he's not probably putting in the care that some other athletes do when they get in their 30s. Like the would results. You give, just, would, would you give this player a max contract? Here's my thing. What other choice is there? Not because, giving him a max contract. Well, well here, here's the thing. What other choice is there, is there because even though he's declined as a scorer, his playmaking is still terrific. Even though that happened, him and here's the, here's a stat. I have this stat and a video coming out this week for the void. James Harden and Joel Embiid have the number one pick and roll combination over the last five years, they score 1.15 points per chance when they pair up in the pick and roll. And granted, it's a smaller sample size than many other combination. It's like 550 possessions. And it was in the second half of the season when offensive rating was higher than ever before. Teams aren't playing defense it's statistically as much. Okay. So it's inflated. All of that said, I was surprised to see it number one over the last five years for pick and roll combinations this year, that means it's more than like Aiton and Paul. It's more than like uh, uh, John Collins with Trey Young, Luca with Dwight Powell, or like Morant and Adams, Morant and Jackson, whatever it might be. Better than all of them. I was surprised by that, and the and the reason why is because finally there's a guard who has unlocked what Joel Embiid has never been able to do, and that's roll to the rim. Harden is the guy who brings that out of Embiid, creating those easy baskets. So with all that said. I think you don't have a choice here when it comes to signing Harden because of what he does for Embiid. And I don't know if there's a better alternative than him. 
for Philadelphia here where I don't know if there's a choice. I, I think they have to take the risk, even if that ends up being a bad deal in the back end, because in the front end, those guys together, at least in a small sample, given all the circumstances I outlined, they were number one in the NBA together. Very reminiscent, very reminiscent of the uh, Daryl Morey, Ben Simmons, and Joel Embiid on the court together numbers. Um, that have been that were disseminated over the course of the last two years, and it was like, well, they're a great pairing. It works. It works together. And then I guess it just doesn't work in the playoffs, right? Like, I mean, we we saw all those numbers. The numbers with Simmons and Embiid on the court together were spectacular. They were. They always were, right? And that was that was the defense to, well. This isn't a natural pairing. This isn't the best fit together. And so, look, I'm I'm interested in things that show up in the playoffs. And obviously, Joel being out is not very helpful, but there is absolutely no way I would handcuff my franchise and have 40 and $50 million soaked up into a guy that's performing at that level what what makes you think that if you sign him up for 200 million dollars that he's all of a sudden going to get in some kind of unbelievable shape what is the motivation to get in some kind of I mean right now we saw it for about a what three game four game deal and then it just went away again and this is when they need him most they're playing against Miami in the playoffs and Embiid's out and you saw last night, it's another, what, five for 13, four for 13, whatever he was last night. I mean, in fairness, Kevin, I think you could put a lot of people in a pick and roll combination with Joel Embiid and have a lot of success with it. Well, and that and that's the interesting thing. It's like, well, is there a replacement guard that you, they can be targeted who could be cheaper, that could come in a sign and trade possibility, where then letting Harden walks is, is like more, uh, more of an option. Yep. That would be the question. Like a, like a Jalen Brunson. Like, like if you could get Jalen Brunson in a sign and trade, something like that, in that case would then make sense to let Harden go. Like Brunson at $25 million rather than Harden <laughs> at almost 60 at some point. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, that's a lot of money, dude. Like it's a huge risk. I agree with you, Chris. It's a risk. Um, but I, I think the other side of things here is we also need to just say uh, what Heat fans are probably screaming out right now. Miami just also deserves a lot of credit. There's no question. We yeah, always yeah. talk about Miami's opponent. It's always about how sorry, uh, yep. you know, Trey Young was in that deal. And now it's about the decisions that Doc made and everything else. And the truth is, Miami is hellacious to yes. play against. Bingo. They are absolutely hellacious to play against. I mean, you watch them, as I said uh, at the beginning of the playoffs, when I watched that early in the series against Atlanta, I remember tweeting out, I said, man, wait, like a locked in, a locked in Miami Heat team when they were passing off Trey Young to three different guys that are all a bitch to deal with. I mean, that is a scary proposition. And because they've got, you know, one through five, and this is, they don't have Kyle last night. Hopefully they'll be able to get Lowry back, but those are guys that show up come playoff time and I didn't even think honestly Miami played well last night at all 
Butler was way off. He's a five for 16 last night. Of course, they get the really good scoring night out of Tyler Hero, but. And bam, bam, yeah. was just pressure in the rim over and over. Best player on the floor by a pretty good margin. And then it gets to the point he's just showing off all of his skill set. We see the way he's improved from mid range area attacking. Bam is becoming a more complete player where, like you said, Butler's only five for 16. But then Bam can have a pivotal role on a night like this and step his game up. And I also think, like, again with Miami, we see no Lowry. We get Duncan Robinson with a DMP. But again, Victor Oladipo coming off the bench, 27 minutes, plays some important defensive possessions, defending multiple guys, Harden, Maxi, showing off his versatility on that end. Didn't have a great offensive night, but we've already seen he can pop on some nights too. Oladipo has absorbed those Duncan Robinson minutes off the bench where it might have been a weak spot with with, with uh, Duncan Robinson being attacked on defense. Now, like we've talked about with Boston not having weak links, I mean, it didn't look like it against Milwaukee necessarily we'll talk about, but now Miami has a rotation also without weak links on defense with Oladipo's emergence too. Well, and now, I mean, that that game last night was just a debacle from three-point land. I mean, you have the Heat, who are 9 of 36, and then you have the Sixers, who are even worse. They're 6 of 34 last night in that game. And, you know, the Heat, I mean, it's Butler 1 for 4, so you could expect that. You know, P.J. Tucker's going to knock down a couple corner threes. But Gabe Vincent and Max Struess, who was your starting backcourt last night, they're two for 14 from three. You bring in Oladipo, he's 0 for 5. I mean, so <laughs> you know, two for 19 yeah. between Gabe Vincent, Max Struess, and Victor Oladipo. That is one thing. And the 6 of 34 gonna, for Philly, too. Like, whoa, I know. it was a horrible shooting night. So, somebody, somebody besides Tyler Hero better knock down some threes for that team, though. It was an ugly game. <laughs> it was an ugly game. It it really was, um, but yeah, I I I think I think with um Miami the Bam Adebayo factor plus twenty six, he's just the person I keep going back to. There's just no answer for him no. without Joel Embiid. Right. Without Joel Embiid, there's nothing Philly can do. Yeah, that's when it really sucks, Bam. right? It really sucks when you're going up against somebody that can expose it the most, right? <laughs> like it's one thing to not have Joel Embiid. It's another to have, not have Joel Embiid going up against one of the best big guys in the conference. Yeah. That's when it's troublesome. And so here's hoping we get a masked Joel Embiid back, at least in this series. But certainly I think it's going to be a, uh, it's going to be a tough hill to climb for sure. And I don't know about that Doc stuff, man. I really don't. He's been getting kind of testy lately. And the whole digging in on DeAndre after the game last night is just bizarre to me. It really is. Yeah. Like, like he's terrible. And your team was like minus a thousand with him in on the court. What are we doing here? And just to be so indignant about the whole thing. I don't know. I don't I, I don't know if that level of stubbornness is uh is is what's going to be very helpful going up against the 76 or going up against the Miami Heat. Yeah, not against Eric Spolstra, who is one of the most adaptable coaches in sports. Spo Spo for years. I mean, we've seen him shapeshift the way he's utilizing his offense. 
the way he's playing defense, whether it's going to zone. We did see, by the way, from some zone in that Philly-Miami game last night, too. Uh, nice to see. But I think with Spo, it's the total opposite of Doc. Mm-hmm. It's a total mismatch in favor of the Miami Heat. We saw that in game one. We're probably going to see it the rest of the way, no matter how long the series goes. The playoffs are heating up, and you can make every game feel like Game 7 on FanDuel Sportsbook, an official partner of the NBA. Throughout the playoffs, all customers can place a no-sweat same-game parlay each week. You'll get up to $20 on free bets if you don't win, and FanDuel has so many different ways to play. Best of all, when you do win, you'll get paid fast. So let's say with Wednesday night's game two between Miami and Philadelphia, you might pick the heat to win with the spread and to cover, but you might be expecting James Harden to have a big bounce back game. So you might want to choose over for points with Harden. You might want to go with under for blocks for Bam out of bio. You can mix and match any way you want to with player props, alternate spreads, game lines, and totals. And if you're new to FanDuel, just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app and sign up with promo code MISMATCH. That's promo code MISMATCH. And if you do already have an account, you're all set to bet. Either way, you'll get up to $20 on free bets if your same game parlay during the playoffs doesn't win. FanDuel Sportsbook, an official partner of the NBA. 21 plus in select states. Refund issued as is non-withdrawable free bets that expire seven days after receipt. Max free bet $20 per week. Restrictions apply. See full terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problems in all states? Visit fanduel.com slash RG. Or in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Illinois, and Virginia, call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. In Connecticut, call 1-888-789-7777. In Indiana, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. In Louisiana, call 1-877-770-STOP. In New York, call 1-877-8-HOPE-NEW-YORK. In Tennessee, call Redline 1-800-889-9789. In Wyoming, call 1-800-522-4700. Or in West Virginia, visit 1800gambler.net. All right, how about the last game that took place last night, which was game one between Phoenix and Dallas. Luka Doncic had 45 points in 44 minutes. He ended up with 45, 12, and 8 in this game, and they lost 121 to 114. Honestly, the score was not that close. Um, It ends up looking a lot better at the end, midway through the fourth quarter, that lead had ballooned to 17 or 18. Um, and all night, the Suns were rather in control of that game. But a spectacular game from Luka. Um, and I did wonder, is this going to be one of those really competitive series? And that was a sign of things to come because Luka's going to really be able to get his? Or... Are we going to look back and say, Luca had a really huge series. No other Maverick particularly had a huge series. Um, and it was Luca versus the Suns. And we know that he's got as high a usage rate as anybody in the league. And that they're going to they're gonna have their success or failure dependent upon him. Um, and I, I don't know. I don't know. Did you walk out of that game thinking this is going to be really competitive? Or did you walk out of that game saying, yeah, Luka had a ton, but this still remains a bad matchup for the Mavs, who I believe I read have lost 10 consecutive games against that Phoenix team? Luka always gives you a chance. He always gives you a chance. Um, so that that works in Dallas's favor. But... The fact is, is like what I came away with is it's going to be a lot tougher for Jalen Brunson, Spencer Dinwiddie to get going against this Phoenix team 
than it was against the Utah Jazz with the, the amount of depth they have on the perimeter. Well, even like Devin Booker, watching Devin Booker defend Jalen Brunson compared to what Donovan Mitchell offered, Rudy Gobert was 100% correct about the difference between those two guys. Booker just so much more effort, so much better, period, fighting through screens. Aiton had a great game as well defensively. And offensively, Aiton, obviously the pressure he put on them, sort of like we talked about with Bam as well, against that Dallas the smaller front line. Um, so I think I think for that's my my main two things. Aiton is going to be a problem this series for Dallas, and that's where the number one adjustment is going to have to come with what he's offering in the pick and roll, but also just the fact that for Brunson and Dinwiddie, the other guys creating offense for Dallas, it's going to be a lot more difficult for them as well. Well, and while Dallas goes on that five wide, one of the things that we talked about was okay. So what about on the other end? So of course Maxi Kleba who's able to play in that five wide, he's knocking down, he starts, he kept them in the game in the first half of that game for sure, knocking down his first five. And it's like, this is when you want Aiton in there for some rim protection, you're going to give something up, but Aiton can make you pay on the offensive end for being small. This was the Gobert criticism, right? It's like, okay, even if you don't want to blame him for what's going on on defense, we're not making you pay for being little. And Phoenix makes you pay. Aiton makes you pay for yep. being small. And you see that show up in the rebounding numbers last night. I mean, it's 51 to 36 last night. It's like, all right, if you want to run this out, which is good for your offense, Maxi Kleba and the rest, then here's what we're going to do. We're going to, we're going to decide that uh, we're sticking with our guy and we're going to use him as an advantage offensively. And that's why I think you end up seeing at the end of the game, of all the, there's a great balance for Phoenix. Aiton ends up leading them in scoring last night. You know, like there's nobody, there's nobody near his size. There's nobody near, I mean, I don't even know, even if you were the Mavs and you said, okay, we want to be bigger. Like, I, there's nothing to put out there, <laughs> right? Like, there's no, there's no way to just say, all right, we want to try to match up with this size. They're probably doing what gives them the best chance at winning, honestly. Uh, and it was so crazy because after we watched that disaster of a three-point effort in the first game, there you're watching the Western Conference, and Dallas is 16 of 39. They're 41% from three. And the Suns weren't far behind them. They're 11 for 28 from three. And and they obviously just kill you from mid-range, too. They got, they got guys all over the court that could just get to their spots and knock down shots. I was, I was pretty damn impressed with Phoenix last night, for sure. Absolutely. Chris, you highlighted Aiton again. I like just the combination with Chris Paul, who played another great game, him and Devin Booker. Chris Paul, DeAndre Aiton. They scored 1.8 points per chance together in, their, in the pick and roll. That's the season high for those two. They didn't run the most pick and rolls. They only ran 25 in the game. But that 1.8 points per pick and roll is number one for them the entire season. So I, I think that it's indicative of what we're talking about here, too, with just the, the issues this is going to present 
for Dallas throughout the series. Well, and I like that Aiton's gotten that little floater. You know, oh, yeah. where he can where he can stop up quick. It's very reminiscent, honestly. Of course, I watch all these Memphis games. It's very reminiscent of watching how Morant and Clark play it together, which is two guys end up being drawn to Morant. And if you're good at slipping, now you can either go straight to the basket and dunk it, or you can pull up about four feet away from the basket, five feet away from the basket, and knock that in. And 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 that is something that Aiton has absolutely developed. And he's such a bigger problem than Gobert for that exact reason you're yep. saying. Because he, yep. he can do more than just dunk or yep. lay, lay the ball up after. Like, he can dribble. He can put the ball on the floor if he needs to. Well, and, he's got and, a that, and that's touch. really where he's killing it. Yeah, touch. he does. Yeah. He's got touch. Yep. He does. All right, and, Chris, and, Chris, and Chris Paul is uh, no, better than anybody at creating those easier opportunities, too, of course. I do think it's promising that Luca was so damn awesome, and that would make I me agree. feel like yeah. it would make me feel like Dallas is going to make this competitive. Honestly, I was way impressed with Phoenix, but I can't deny. I mean, geez, it, one of the things you look for in these in these games, in my opinion, is all right. How were your best players able to perform in the games? And you see the way this guy performed? Yep. Against <laughs> I mean, Mikel Bridges. Like, I mean, you see the way he performed? It's like, okay, I got I, I got a chance to make this competitive. If, if, if my best guy is going to be able to perform at that level, and I didn't think, maybe I'm crazy, I didn't think there was anything, like, crazy about his game last night. I really didn't. By crazy, you mean like that like, you couldn't replicate? Yeah, yeah, okay. Is that you see yeah, what I mean? I, that's the way I took it. Yeah, yeah, like a one-off, like a one-off. Like, oh wow, you remember when Mikel Bridges had thirty-something points in the game? Like, yeah, that was amazing. But like, we know that that's not going to be common. Even if Devin Booker's not in the lineup, like he's he's not a guy that's going to be getting you thirty regularly. Um, there was nothing, nothing that felt like wildly out of the ordinary. I agree with that. I mean, that, that's why that's why we we opened this uh, Suns Mavs talk just by pointing out like he, you get a shot. You, you get a shot when you have Luca on your team. The, the question is going to be, what are you getting from everybody else? You got the three point shooting, as you said. Maxi Kleba was huge, five of eight, forty one percent as a team. You got the shooting in game one, but you didn't get the great individual game one performances. Jalen Brunson, six of 16. He looked like the guy that Rick Carlisle cut the minutes of last year in the postseason. He didn't look like the guy in the first round or was averaging over 25 points per game. He didn't look like the guy who was averaging 21 points when Luka was out in December. He didn't look like that guy. He has to look like that guy. Or Spencer Dinwiddie needs to start looking like the person he did at his best with Dallas earlier this season. He has not been good lately. Last couple of weeks, he needs to improve. Both of those guys need to look like the best versions of themselves, particularly Brunson, though, uh, with the role he plays. And I will say this for the Mavs' benefit. You know, I've been keeping up with uh, my guy's shot quality throughout this, and they've been pretty on with, with you know, they're just, they're just telling you, here's who took the shots, here's where they took the shots from in an average game. Here's what is typically taking place in that game. And last night was actually a shot quality upset. The Mavericks shot quality score was 115 to 110. And 
the the computer popped out that the Mavericks win that game 65% of the time. So it's something to just keep an eye on, right? We've mentioned this before, and that has told a story about kind of the way the game was played. Um, it also was the case in the 76ers game, unbelievably, last night, that in terms of their shot quality score, that the 76ers would have won the game 65% of the time. And as we always say, look, these games are not played on paper. You know, they're played by actual human beings. But it's a reference point, and it's something to at least keep an eye on because as we've talked about it in the past, it in many cases has flushed out to where the team that is typically getting the better shots in the game, their shot quality is better. Um, there's always a randomness involved, but over the course of a series, very rarely is a team going to lose the shot quality scores four times uh, or win the shot quality scores that much, but yet lose the series. And so maybe those teams performed a little bit better than we thought and got better looks than we thought. But again, I'm not, I'm just, I'm just giving everybody the information. Well, and I, I mean, to, it it's just, certainly something to hold on to if you're Dallas, you know what I mean? Like say, all right, if we get those same shots, we typically win games. I mean, I'm, I'm always never sure about, stats like that but it is intriguing especially with three-point shooting because that's such a streaky thing yes and and i just looked up shot quality's twitter as you were mentioning the philly miami thing they they followed up with a tweet because they got kind of like you know hated on well how can you say this there's something wrong with your metric yeah (laughs) and they responded in the 1282 games played this season just five teams have underperformed their expected three-point total more than Philly did last night. They scored 23 fewer points than expected from three based wow. on their trends throughout the year and what they would normally shoot. So that's just well, that something. I mean, it's keeping that's, in mind. That's, that's, that's not outlandish. They shot under 20%. Yeah. 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 <laughs> right? Yeah, like, I mean, yeah, I, I suppose like another way to say it is like, oh, they they had, they shot under 20%. <laughs> that's all you got to say. <laughs> you don't need, you don't need the calculation. <laughs> yeah. Like, of course they were expected to yeah. hit more than that. <laughs> Shit. Imagine yeah. if you were expected yeah. to hit 18% of your threes. Yeah. Oh, gosh. <laughs> You have a pretty rough go of it. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, the process Sixers. Yeah. So here's hoping, here's hoping uh, that those, both those series can be competitive. You don't want to make too many grandiose statements based upon game ones. And that is a perfect segue into Milwaukee, Boston, which in fairness, I've not heard a tremendous amount of grandiose statements made regarding that, Mm. but I certainly think it was cause for pause on the Celtics fever that had been taking taking over. Yeah. (laughs) Sound like a a radio. Cause for pause. Yeah. It was that, that, that was uh, game (laughs) one. Game one was cause for pause. Like a newspaper headline writer or something like that. Yeah. And it actually, Boston Globe, it actually, game one, cause for pause. Perfect Boston Globe. Uh, headline. Yes, cause for yeah, pause. Yeah, it's pretty good. Um, also, You're so enabled, versatile, Chris. enabled today's show to not be led 
with you asking me if I still believe in the Celtics. So <laughs> there's that. <laughs> so, I mean, like, how much, how much is, uh, so in that game one, Milwaukee wins that 101 89. Mm-hmm. How much of this do you think is, let me just, let me ask it this way. What, what is your concern level? You said cause for pause, mm-hmm. but what is your concern level with Boston after in that game one? Tatum's contained. Defense decently high, decently high, Mm -hmm. high. Yeah. And here's why anybody could go back and listen to our Friday show. There's two things I talked about regarding this particular series with you. And I said, number one, we know that Giannis can be the best guy in the series. Who's going to be the second guy for both of these teams? Who's going to be the other guy that picks up the slack? Because it's even more important now that Middleton's out. It's not a natural, here's the second guy. It was Drew Holiday. Drew Holiday was fantastic on both ends of the court in that game. All right? So so good, dude. That would be cause for pause. The (laughs) second thing was, and anybody can go back and listen to it, I said, you can't make your living from two against Milwaukee. They are 30th. In giving up threes, you that's how you're going to have to do it. And does Boston have the goods to make them pay? And they were, that is out of character for them to take 50 friggin' threes. They took 50 threes in that game. Mm-hmm. And I know you had posted the stat. I mean, you're not making a living from two against them. You're just not. And can you make them pay for playing the drop coverage thing? We saw Atlanta do it, and a lot of it was those high pick and rolls. Now you've got a decision to make with Trey Young. He can stop up short and knock down the floater, or he can lob it to Capella behind him. Who's going to be that playmaking guard or wing that they're getting the ball to that can punish them for playing the drop coverage and or who's going to be the big that's standing out in the corner like Maxi Kleba style, um, banging down threes to open that thing up because they were they were menacing uh in terms of guarding the rim. You're you're not making you're not making your living at the rim against that team. So you better figure out how to do it at least get you some lobs get you some duck-ins where Robert Williams is, you know, in the dunker spot and you can get him to come up, but, you know, you get Lopez to come up on you, lob it over his head, or get somebody out there in the corner that's just forcing him to be away from the rim because as long as you're going to let that guy stand in front of the rim, you're in trouble. Remember last week we talked about who's defending Tatum. Will Giannis have to defend Tatum? 74 matchups in game one, according to Second Spectrum. Giannis defended Tatum for one of those. Unbelievable. Wes- Wesley Matthews and Drew Holiday were the primary defenders against Tatum by far. To me, it's simple. This all starts with Tatum. If he's able to force Giannis away from his position and, and help, where he's just so destructive around the rim, causes so many issues for Boston, played into that Kirk Goldsberry stat you mentioned earlier where Boston is one for 25 or whatever it was when defended by Giannis or Lopez inside the arc. If you can pull Giannis out of that onto Tatum, 
that changes everything for both ends, uh, for Boston's offense and Milwaukee's defense with the way they both operate and the things that they can do. Um, unless that happens, it's not going to go well for Boston. And so Tatum really needs to start making either Wesley Matthews or Drew Holiday pay using his size, scoring ability. And that's not easy to do. Drew Holiday's amazing. He's incredible on defense. He can defend bigger guys like Tatum. And Wesley Matthews is very strong in his own right, too. You're absolutely right. I mean, because this goes back to the old, you know, Milwaukee when they're at their best. And, and Giannis is almost like a free safety. So he's just getting to cover up any kind yeah. of defensive mistakes that exactly. are made. So now all of a sudden you drive past, let's say, let's say in, in this instance, Tatum just drives past Wes Matthews and he's going to the rim. Giannis just leaves his guy and Bingo. goes and pins it yeah. against the backboard. Whoever Giannis is assigned to also has to, they got to be able to make some shots, you know, make him, keep him honest. And part of that certainly would it would go a long way towards if Tatum can just start torching somebody, they'd have to move him on to him. One one thing that's also interesting, you know, like so Giannis, he defended Jalen Brown the most statistically. 21 matchups against Brown, 17 against Horford, 13 against Robert Williams, 11 versus Robert Williams. Uh, so he defended a lot of different types of guys. Jalen Brown in the 21 matchups, the tracking data says he scored zero points. I can believe that he hell mm -hmm. he, he was two for eleven until the last couple minutes of the game. Yep, which yep. were those meaningless two buckets. Yep. I mean, for all intents and purposes, he was two for eleven in that game. Yeah. Now, that maybe be uh, you know I said cost for pause. Maybe that's sign of maybe that's something promising. Um, he was awful. He's turning the ball over like crazy. Um, Jalen Brown was terrible. He's not that bad. No. And, you know, is it because he got the Giannis treatment uh, a lot? Is it because he's a little nicked up? You know, what is it with him? But here's what we know. He was bad. And the same way we were talking about Giannis and having that second banana and Drew be so good, Tatum's got to have Brown be great. Because there is no other natural guy to step up and be the second best guy for that team. And that obviously went a long way towards their uh, demise in game one because they, they can't have a bad Jalen. They have to have a very good Jalen Brown, much less a terrible one, you know? Also, uh, Javon Carter coming off the bench. Just want to highlight, it's pretty cool to see him carving out a, a role on this Bucks team. He's pretty good. He knows how to steer the ship. It's my guy. He's hard on defense, dude. He's, he's a good player, isn't he? You don't think that, uh, you don't think Brooklyn could have used him? Yeah. Just cast off. Yeah. They're going to pay him. They're going to pay him to play for them. That's a true story. Wow. Brooklyn is paying for Milwaukee. It was, it was in 1819 he first played for Memphis that rookie year. Wow. Yep. Time yep. goes by quickly, man. 1819. That's crazy. I still see his mom all the time. Wow. She's she lives in Memphis. So that, of course that was heartbreaking when Javon got traded. He, he's uh, played for good organizations. He has. Good, yeah, good start for him. That Brooklyn thing was a disaster for him. Yeah. Yeah, that Not didn't work out. Memphis two two years in Phoenix, Brooklyn, Milwaukee. Well, you could go and find the clip. You know, Javon is cut from a different cloth now. This is a this is a Rottweiler. 
All right. Yeah, who he is. is only thing that matters to him is winning, putting in the work, the whole nine. You can go find the clip online of him yelling at Harden. They had their headbutts. So sorry, he didn't, his, he, didn't he didn't take he didn't take well to uh you know showing up at practice smelling like tequila. <laughs> That's oh God. not that's not, that's not his deal. <laughs> yeah. This is yeah. a this is a guy that these are the kind of guys you want on your team for sure. And he showed up in game one. He's a menace defensively. Yeah, yeah po- polar opposites in terms of uh that intensity level on defense approach. Oh. Javon Javon Carter's uh, like that's why he's getting chances with these good good organizations. You said his mom was upset with the trade getting from Memphis. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. she lives. She lives in Memphis. So she still lives there. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. She, so I mean, yeah, that that wasn't great. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know <what> I mean, <laughs> uh, it wasn't it wasn't great for him to get traded from Memphis. It was a dream for him to get drafted by Memphis, and then, yeah, of course, he got moved uh, from Wonder, there. Is she, but, is she rooting for the Bucks or is she rooting for the Grizz? I guess she's rooting for a Grizz Bucks. When they came in, when 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 Milwaukee came here, they all went over. She cooked for the whole team. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. They all went over they all went over to her house and she cooked for everybody. Yeah. So I'll always I'll always root for him. He's a great kid, great family. And uh I was so happy to see him. He's he's foxhole guy. He is. Uh, a game kid. high. Game high plus twenty five. Yeah. He's Giannis tough. is only plus twenty three. I don't know what that says, but <laughs> <laughs> Better than Giannis? You, 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 yeah, you know, you know what it does say. I, I think it says that those types of guys impact winning. That that mindset, that approach to the game, that that's a perfect guard to have on a team with Giannis, isn't it? Because yep. they're like minded. All right, let me ask you this: Because it's who cares what I think, Kevin? Are you worried for the Celtics? I mean, I picked the going seven anyway, so. Am I worried about it being a five game? Would you stick with that? Yeah, I'll stick with seven. Would you stick with that for five hundred dollars? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, what kind of odds am I getting here? Just, I don't want even odds here. They don't want out. <laughs> Does <this> seem fair? <laughs> you don't want even odds. <laughs> You reminded me of like a uh, Doctor Evil when he starts off saying a million dollars, one, one <laughs> yeah. billion, and, but then it, then he changes to a billion. That's right. <laughs> there you go. What 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 is that? When he's making demands or something like that? Hey, yeah. look when when you said I don't want even odds, that was the true definition of cause for pause. Yeah. I don't know. We Look. should we should we should do some co- right now in the moment. We should do cause for pause rankings with the game one losers. Who has the greatest cause for pause of the four teams that lost? Number one pick, Chris Vernon. Cause for pause. I think I think I think Boston. Boston felt the worst about themselves. Is that fair? Like I'm talking about like the post games, right? I think you heard that and it was like we got punked out. They punched us in the mouth. They were so physical. We weren't ready for that. Like, you know, all that kind of talk. And, and Milwaukee right? Milwaukee also just, like, aesthetically, Boston looked huge in round yeah. one against Brooklyn. Milwaukee yeah. looked huge against Boston in that game one. Didn't yeah. they? The gigantic. I, I think that because I would just say that, like, that felt like, 
just listening to them. Now, I'm not saying that they can't rebound. And if they won tonight's game by 25 points, it's not, yeah. it's not insane to think, right? Like, it can't happen. And, and we could be saying, see, we knew without Middleton. And that was just a one-game thing. Like, we've gotten caught doing this so many times. Hell, we, we, we did previews of the Clippers versus the Lakers. <laughs> so you never want to make too drastic. Oh, well, I mean, that was statement. really a, a season-long preview. Yes, <laughs> you don't want to. You don't want to make too drastic a statement. I'm just saying, like watching the post-game press conferences from the different ones, I think Dallas feels like, hey, we could clean some stuff up, and this is we could be really competitive. Um, Philly. You know, there's this, there's this, I, I, I kind of set them aside because they don't have their guys. Well, Memphis, that, that, that is a cause yeah. for pause, though. Because yeah, for sure. You, you, you might feel like, geez, we're going to go back to Philly down 2-0? Well, That's they scary. are. Yeah, they yeah. are 100% going back to Philly mm-hmm. down 2-0. Um, Memphis feels good about themselves after the game against the Warriors because it went down to the very last shot, right? Yeah. So, uh, so they, number they, one is Boston for you. I just think the way they talked about it, you know, which was we were out physical, we were out muscled, we were out, you know, and I just think that I have just been inundated with everybody talking about the Celtics like they were God's gift to basketball and then they got humiliated. You know? I mean, I have I have had to sit here for two straight months with a co-host berating me for saying I didn't think they could make the NBA Finals. So, yeah, I'd have to put Boston number one, Kev. <laughs> as, that host berate, as that host berating you, I'll say that's a fair number one pick. It is. Yeah. <laughs> I just think that our, it's without Middleton. Yeah. I think, you know, what we, the way I would say that one, was the biggest surprise in terms of the way it played out. Is that fair? Yeah. Without question. So that's why it would be my answer. I'm not saying they can't get it back together. I'm not saying they can't be more physical and figure out things that's going to exploit Milwaukee. And that that w- they, I think they were caught by surprise after they beat the crap out of the Nets and that they weren't ready for it. But they're in this position for a reason, and I don't think that they. It is, um, I don't think it's impossible to think that they could get it back together. I don't want to make any grand sweeping statements about that, but in terms of the game one results, that was the only surprising one. Sure, yeah, yeah. With the way Milwaukee just handled them the whole game. Well, also just in terms of who won the game, Milwaukee yeah. was the underdog. Yep, on the road. They're the only underdog that won the game. Uh, The Warriors were favored. The Nets were favored. Phoenix was favored. Like we said with Luka, Chris, always gives you a chance to win games. Has 45 in that game, one loss. With Giannis, same thing. He always gives you a chance with what he brings to the floor. And he wasn't even, like, he's going to have a 40-point game at some point. He's going to have 50. In game one, he only had 24 points on 25 shots. 9 or 25 from the field, but it just felt like, as we talked about, defensively in control of the game, but offensively, too, his playmaking, he showed the progress there with his ability to create, generate passing opportunities for his teammates, 11 assists. He had some early turnovers, but once he cleaned that up, 
Uh, Giannis, again, just showed his ability to impact the game in, in so many more ways beyond just scoring, and that's why he's the best player in the world. And we also don't need to completely bail on, and I'm not saying you are, I'm just saying the world. We don't need to completely bail on Tatum as a guy that could go win no, you the games. Of course right? not. Because no he is also a guy that, if Jason Tatum showed up a 40-point game, it wouldn't be shocking to anyone, right? He established himself as a guy that could be the best player in playoff games. He just went heads up, and I know this is a different animal, but he just went heads up with Kevin Durant in a series, and he was by far the best player in the series. So he didn't have a great game in game one, and his running mate was pathetic. And so I, I don't think it's... Uh, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that we have not heard the last of Jason Tatum. That was just a bad game. Absolutely not. Today's episode of The Mismatch is brought to you by Hulu Plus Live TV. Looking for a better way to watch live TV? Stream your favorite sports and shows over 95 live channels with Hulu Plus Live TV. Get access to Hulu's entire streaming library, Disney Plus and ESPN Plus, all in one plan. Start your free trial of Hulu Plus Live TV today. Live TV plan required. Restrictions apply. Offer valid for new and eligible returning subscribers only. Access content from each service separately. Learn more at Hulu.com. Memphis Golden State. Obviously, I'll be there tonight um, after that Milwaukee-Boston game is on. Memphis plays Golden State. What do you think about game one? I was thinking during the game if you were worried at all about the smaller lineups. Hmm. Because I know we talked about it last week. It's a better matchup uh, for like Jaron Jackson. He played 31 minutes, only had three fouls. That's positive for them moving forward. Like we're talking cause for pause. Yeah. I think like you're probably feeling relatively optimistic about the way Memphis handled some of the smaller stuff from yeah. Golden State. Are you? I, I think just with the, you know, like I was saying with the Luca thing, and this may be a fool's errand, but how did your best players perform? And Ja Morant could clean some stuff up. It took him too many shots to get his points, but he has had a lot of success against the Warriors, and I would imagine will continue to. And the fact that Jaron Jackson was as good as he has been the entire season is very promising. Meanwhile, Clay and Steph combined for 39. So you can look at that any way you want, right? The, the positive outlook is, hey, the Grizzlies guys, Look at how they performed in mm. that first game, and that's promising going forward. The the devil's advocate is, yeah, well, you, you should have gotten that one because how many times are you going to count on Steph Curry going for 24 and Clay Thompson going for 15? I don't know. I mean, Jordan Poole was the guy that killed him. That was the guy that killed him. He was unbelievable. And I do think it matters greatly. You know, they've got Desmond Bain who got banged up in that game and just was not himself afterwards, um, they've got him listed as questionable for tonight's game. And that that could be a tough loss, you know, because he has been sensational for them in the playoffs. Um, no, I've, I've never been concerned. I've never been scared of the, the Warriors' small, small lineups. Uh, that is one thing that the Grizzlies do have pretty natural matchups for. Because um, they got wings on wings on wings, and they've got a really athletic big. They got two 
mega athletic big guys. And so being able to play Clark and Jaron Jackson together is is shown to be very, very successful over the course of the season. Do we expect any chance of seeing size in this matchup, bringing out Steven Adams as like some, you know, curveball in a third quarter? Yeah. Like, I like, think, like what, yes. what cards does Taylor Jenkins have that he hasn't pulled yet? I guess is my well, question, Adams especially is if still, Bain is out. Yeah, I mean, I know a lot of people were watching that game uh, the other day and were like, ah, still not going with Adams. Adams, he's on the COVID list. He's not available anyway. So they can't play him yet. Um, I do think Steven Adams will play. See, is he back? Is he back now, though? He's not. Or, or, and now, he's not back yet? Yeah, I don't know the way. You know, you got to test out three, two, two consecutive days. I think today would be the day if he could oh, somehow okay. if he could somehow get the test, but they listed him as out yesterday. Yeah, because so four days ago, April twenty eighth was when he went in protocols. Yeah, yeah. So he's probably close. Maybe not today, but then game three in that case. Yeah, yeah. He's not available. They listed okay. him as oh, out. so he so he's out. Okay, so tonight he Correct. is still out. Okay, yeah. All right, he's out. Um, and maybe like the Looney minutes, right? Because Looney's not a guy that's going to stand out at the three-point line either. I know you could get him yep. at pick and rolls and whatever else, but Adams has had some moments where he's really held up well against the Warriors in the past, both with Memphis. I mean, you can go back to the Oklahoma City days. He was able to stay on the court some. So, yeah, I, I think they're – and he's the kind of guy that can punish you offensive rebounding. He did in a game earlier this year against them. Um, you know, and I know Draymond got thrown out of that game. Well, yeah. that that's what I was about to say. Like we have we haven't even mentioned that yet. Draymond Draymond gets ejected after 17 minutes. Yep. Well, and I was I texting mean, with you and I, I mean, said you lo- but so, like losing a game, Draymond doesn't finish. That isn't that the ultimate cause for pause? Maybe, but he was terrible. He had five turnovers in his 17 minutes and they were playing so much more uh up tempo which is what he does. He gets the ball off the rim and he goes. He doesn't have to wait for a guard. He goes. And the Grizzlies want these games to be up and down and up and down. And once they were putting out Looney and some other lineups, you saw a lot more half-court sets. We run a play, you run a play. And, I mean, they are just... They put so much pressure on their defense. They are so... It's beautiful basketball to watch. It really is. I mean, they're just cutting and screening and constant movement. There's a guy running the baseline. And there's a guy doing a dribble handoff. And it's just, then they're shot faking, but then they're stepping to the side rather than driving. And then they whip it over to pool after you close out. And he shot fakes, but then he drives. And then he throws it out. I mean, it's just, they're constantly moving, screening for each other. Uh, and the last thing the Grizzlies want is to be playing in a we-run-a-play-you-run-a-play game. I talked about this against Minnesota because they got a lot more isolation basketball guys than Memphis does. Memphis isn't loaded with isolation guys, and they're not loaded. You know, there's, there's one guy that's really going to consistently put pressure on you, create his own shot kind of guy, um, and that's Morant. But there are guys that can just absolutely fly up and down the court, get in space, finish, dunk on your head, the whole thing. And so I thought the game slowed down a little bit, honestly, when Draymond went out. Not that they're better without Draymond. I'm saying it 
played into, they ended up being forced to play a way that actually was much worse for the Grizzlies' hopes, I thought. At least in that game one. Yeah, in that game one. Yeah, because he, he has, like you said, he he was sloppy in that first half. Yeah. Five turnovers in 17 minutes. Game two, he might be really cleaned up. Yeah. Well, and they're not going to just magically grow a good matchup for Jaron Jackson. He's yeah. big for Draymond, and he is too fast for Looney. You know? Like, they don't have a natural matchup for him. So in the same way that Minnesota was just bad matchups all over the place for the Grizzlies, it's not as much. But I did come away, certainly Poole was awesome. And, you know, we were talking about Javon Carter earlier, like those kind of Rottweiler-type guys that the box score. If you looked at Javon Carter's plus-minus, it tells a story, but that's really where you need to look. Um, Man, Peyton, Peyton is... Isn't he something else? Oh, he's that he's guy. Special. He's he's yeah. one of those for sure. He is one of those that you, you know, you're you're picking teams at the park. You're picking him. Yeah. You want that guy on your team because you don't want to play against that guy. He is he's tough, dude, man. He's t- and he's good basketball player. Like he he plays within that. You've got to be smart to play with them. You really do. You got to be a smart, I'm talking basketball IQ. You got to be high basketball IQ player or else you're not going to be able to cut it with the Warriors and the way they play. And uh, and he he fits that mold too. A lot of times, um, a lot of times when you find the guy that's the, you know, the, the toughness or whatever, you, you, you can't just inject him and, put him into beautiful basketball too, right? You put Tony, you put Tony out, and I'm saying this as one of my best friends in the world, you put Tony out in the dunker spot. That's what you do. You know what I mean? Like that guy, that guy, the, your Rottweiler guy, he's not, he's not screen, down screening and dribble handoffs and flying around everywhere. And Peyton is just part of it. And meanwhile, he's just in your airspace. I love him. I yeah, really defend, defended Ja. Yeah, most on the most on the team. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and like you said, he's doing it all offensively, crashing the boards too. Oh Her, God, every uh, friggin' yeah. missed three. That yep. long rebound, he's fighting you for it. Mm-hmm. You know, tough dude. And Gary Payton does it all, man. And Poole was just freaky. I think he had, what, he had 31, 9, and eight or something. Something yeah. crazy. Yep. What yep. a game uh, off the bench. Yeah. I do think that's going to be it's going to be a competitive series, though. I do. I think we'll probably see a. I'd be surprised if we didn't see a game six. I would. You'd be surprised. Yeah, if we didn't see a game six, hmm. with the way these teams have played against each other, you know, Steph is when John Morant missed the layup, he was like clapping, and he walked. Uh, uh, he walked right by them, like underneath the stanchion, and it was like John Clark and whoever else, Jaron, maybe. And uh, he was like, uh, it's going to be a great series, boys. You know what I mean? <laughs> John, I mean, Curry knows. I mean, these teams, have, these teams have played very good basketball games against each other. And I will say that. Being there, that was a great basketball game. It really was. 
Yeah, that was a great game. Yeah, probably the best of the four. Um, With the theatrics down the stretch and everything. Yeah, the game. The game. Yeah, of the games that I've seen in person so far, playoff games. No, no, no. I mean, uh, of the uh, of game ones, game ones from this round. Yeah, that was the best one, right? Of course. Yeah, not even close. Yeah, wasn't even close. Yeah. Came down to the last shot. Yeah, it was a great game. (laughs) It came down to the last shot. Those other ones weren't nearly as competitive. It's kind of amazing going from, uh, you know, that game, Sunday night, to Monday, Miami, Philly. uh, And then (laughs) just the the difference in quality, but also the difference in crowds. Uh, That Miami crowd didn't seem to have the intensity that the Memphis crowd did. I also think the refs are getting a little bit, you know, obviously, look, when you get to this stage, you get better assignments. You get more of the veteran officials. Um, but I also think we're seeing a little more basketball, too. Yeah. That first round was just mired with. Well, whistles. especially for Memphis. Just with every, I'm saying across the board. Hollinger wrote an article about it, which was like, what the hell's up with all these whistles? Yeah. It's like every game you watched, there's a lot of free throws in the first round. So a little bit cleaner, a little bit cleaner. Um, I'm excited though. There's going to be some good games tonight. Uh, I kind of, I kind of think Boston and, uh, and Memphis can even up their series. It is kind of backs against the wall situations for both of those teams. Cause you're really in trouble. You go down. Oh, two. the, I know we've had, you know, different series that, you know, teams have come back, but you drop the first two at home, <laughs> you're you're in trouble. All right, l- let's rank them then. Big cause trouble. for pa- cause for pause rankings. You get Boston number one. I got Boston number one too. Who's your number two? Well, I mean, look, Philly's number one just because. Well, of, yeah. Oh, yeah. If okay, so yeah, Philly's number one because. Hey, well, I, I guess what's our criteria then? We're factoring in the fact, like you know, we know they're gonna likely go down too well. Okay, so in that case, Philly won. Yeah, Philly, Boston. Boston, ahead of Memphis for sure. Yes. Yes. Uh, one of them lost on a missed layup at the buzzer. The other one lost by double digits. So Fair. Okay. So one, Philly, two, Boston. Three, uh, Memphis. Dallas and, Dallas and Memphis are the other two choices. The only thing that would... Scare me about the Dallas thing is it's 10 in a row. You know what I mean? <laughs> That's a major trend. Like, they just have yeah. not been able to beat that team. Yeah, Regardless exactly. of Luka being awesome or not. You know, I, the confidence level can't be all that high. Uh, but I think you would have to say, I, I think you would have to say, probably let's put Memphis ahead of Dallas just because at least Dallas is on the road. Right? I think that's fair. I'm saying, oh, oh, I mean, yeah, Memphis ahead of Dallas. So I'd put Dallas last just because they were, they're on the road. They're playing at Phoenix. So until you lose the home game, I don't think it's really fair. But, but Memphis and uh, – so, so Phillies is because of the NBA thing. Boston and Memphis are because they've lost home games. And then Dallas – last because their guy was awesome and they hadn't lost at home yet you know 
I, I think I think those rankings are fair. You, I think you could, I think you could argue flipping Boston and Memphis. But, what? But, I mean, you could argue it. They, they, <laughs> they lost at home when Golden State didn't have Draymond. Oh God! I know he started off poorly, but he's Draymond Green. Yeah, well, I wish he would have been around. He could have had ten turnovers instead of five. And by, and by the way, they were a plus two in his minutes. Still plus two. Wow, plus two. I know. What were they in Looney's minutes? Hmm. What, were they in lo- up. what were they in, in Looney's, Looney's minutes? In Looney's minutes, they were a minus two. Oh, my goodness. Minutes. Huge drop-off. Yeah. One-point <laughs> game. It was. It was a one-point game. Uh, I can't wait for these games. This is going to be great. And I'm, I'm, I'm very hopeful that these teams all tie up the series so that we get some really good series um because we only we didn't have good series in round one you know we didn't have we didn't have any game sevens nobody got pushed all the way to the brink and i mean that memphis minnesota was like one of the was that the only game six did anything else even go six games maybe dallas and utah i can't remember yeah that did yeah, Dallas and Utah. Um, yeah, just not not a bunch of great series in that first round. Not nearly as competitive. So hopefully, now that the competition's gotten greater, the competition or the uh, series. The game will be sixes, New Orleans Suns. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm and sorry. And then Raptors Sixers. That was terrible. Yeah, it, it's just the game sixes were forgettable. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that Raptors Sixers. But, 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 yeah. That was you could you could cut that thing off in the third quarter. <laughs> that was that was rough. We like the we like the Raptors' chances too. Mm. That's tough, mm-hmm. tough spot. Hopefully, Jess, if you can go back and delete that that part where we were talking about we liked the mojo for the Raptors and all that stuff. So if you can find that pod, just delete all that. <laughs> make us it'll, be, it'll be the make, missing the missing audio chunk. It should be one giant bleep. Yeah, just one giant, <laughs> just one giant bleep. Or we can record something a little bit later that just talks about how how much we we're not believing in this Raptors thing and we think Here, that the Sixers the are going to kill idea. them. <laughs> we're, we're, we'll record after everything finishes we'll just record exactly what happened and I'll go put it back in the last pod that way you guys sound like geniuses. You Perfect. guys predicted it 100%. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> I would encourage you to do that with all of our podcasts if you can. Uh, thank you to our executive producer Jesse Lopez as always. Kevin I will talk to you on Thursday. Have a good one everybody. Everybody.